Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy. Ben with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we've we've got a great show for you. We've got Jeff Blue coming on. He's a multi-platinum producer, AR, author of One Step Closer, and also a songwriter. And we're excited to talk a little yes. bit about his story, about his book, and just see where this goes. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> So how is your day today? <laughs> My day is good. I'm in Los Angeles and uh, it started off looking really uh, cold and drab and it's really beautiful right now. So I'm always good. LA's great. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, Savannah, Georgia is pretty nice, but we're like going through like a little chill right now. A little cooler than normal, but yeah. you know. You know right now it's but, nice. Though. But right now it's still nice. <laughs> Now, I like to start the show off the same way every time. As you know, the virus has really affected the entertainment world. And I always want to talk about that because um, I think it's important for us to talk a, a little bit about what's going on. So how has the virus affected you within the entertainment? And how, what have you done to kind of maneuver through that? Well, since I'm involved in uh, a lot of different aspects, um, I use the time everything I have is I try to make produ uh, productive. So the artists that I manage, we're working on new songs. I signed a new artist. Uh, I also, um, oh, hey, Matt, I guess people are jumping in. Yeah. So, okay. Um, and then I finished my book. We got the book out uh, in 2020. And, uh, and then I also wrote a, a screenplay for a film oh, wow. and uh, getting that set up. And also was music supervising a, a film that's coming out uh, 2021. So, you know, to me, even though in anything in life, if things slow down, you, there's always ways to be productive on, on other ends. You know, it's, instead of sitting there and just going, oh, we can't do anything. Yeah, that's like for us, you know, we we launched this show January 3rd of 2020, mm -hmm. a few months before the virus. And, yeah. you yeah. know, our original plan was, you know, 100 interviews first mm -hmm. year. We thought if we could do that, you know, and we that would, would be a lot. great yeah. foundation mm -hmm. for the first year. And then the virus happens. And I told Sandy, you know what? This is our year. Uh, yeah. I mean, because the, the world, the and entertainment world's slowing down. Well, they're going to, you know, they're going to need a place to talk. And we're going to give them that platform. And because of that, yeah. we did over 300 interviews last year. Wow. It's a lot of interviews. <laughs> yeah. Our, <laughs> yeah. Our biggest month was in, in <clears throat> August. We did 44 that month. <laughs> wow. Now, I couldn't Congrats. hold that level. I don't right. think I could hold that level for too long. <laughs> but but it was like everybody came in at once and it was like, OK, I couldn't say no. And I didn't want to push them to September. And I'm like, no. well, we'll just double book and double book. And, and the next thing yeah. we know, it's 44. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Congrats. <laughs> So um, let's talk about your book a little bit, One Step Closer, since that's one of the reasons you're here today. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what inspired the book. Well, um, well, first of all, it was the 20th anniversary of uh, the album Hybrid Theory, which was um, oh, the top selling uh, debut album of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was the 20th anniversary. And also three years prior, uh, the lead singer, Chester Bennington, unfortunately, uh, yeah. you know, yes. took his own life. And so there's a lot of mental health awareness uh, situations that were coming up and people kept asking me, you should write a book. And, oh, wow. um, yeah. you know, I, I sat down in 2007, 2008, 
uh, and was going to write a book about just in general the band and how you know it takes perseverance yeah. and dedication and overcoming you know the ability to overcome rejection and um, you know belief in oneself being authentic and all this and then when you know the 20th anniversary and the loss of Chester I just said out I'm like I got to tell this story because it's incredibly wow. inspiring mm -hmm. and you know there's so many people that want to get into any type of field especially entertainment and mm -hmm. it's just wrong mm -hmm. with rejection 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 and uh this was a story really to inspire people to follow their dreams Wow. And, and, you know, that's kind of where we're at with our show, because, you know, we had this crazy vision, you know, when, you know, back in 2019, I told Sandy, you know, I want to launch this show. You know, we, we ran a little site called New Country Buzz. And I was like, you know what? We need to launch uh, inter interview where we interview country artists. Cause right. That's kind of what we started. Where yeah, It's kind of expanded since, as you see. But that's where we mm -hmm. started. And and Sandy was like, but who no nobody really knows us. And I'm like, doesn't matter. We can just do this. We'll run. And and you know, at the beginning, we didn't get a lot of rejection because we had a lot of contacts within the country music we world. Did. Mm -hmm. But when we started expanding out, boy, you talk about rejection. We you know, I just love when I send an email. And it comes back like minutes later. I'm like, okay, this is probably rejection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's like in anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just takes that that one, you know, person. And you know, like the other thing I talked about is how you know it's, everything is rejection, rejection. But when life lines up perfectly and you can mm -hmm. walk through that door, it's just like kind of a continuous path that you can go to because when things are meant to be they're meant to be and yeah. it, it kind of oh, yeah. transitions like that yeah and yeah you, you talk about that type of transition you know the very first door that kind of opened up now we did some shows before this but i remember a specific where i was a little frustrated i wanted the show to go to the next level and i'm like nothing's happening i get this rejection letter from a artist's pr people that I really want, I thought I could get this person because I knew her family, but I forget that when, you know, I, I learned real quick that when they get signed to a label, family connections, no matter, that don't matter no more. I learned that really quick. So I got this rejection and I'm frustrated. And about an hour later, I get this email from a PR company that says, I've got six artists I'd like to put on your show. And as I'm scrolling through, one of them was Anna Christina Cash. Oh. And, and I didn't know who she was at that. I was like, I wonder if she's mm -hmm. part of the Cash family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and so I looked, and of course, you know, she married John Carter Cash. I said, like, oh, and I told him, yes, we want all six. Let's do Anna first. And we did. And that brought Carlene Carter on, which brought um, Georgette Jones, which then brought Taylor Lynn and um, Jenny Gill. So all of a sudden we got all the legacy kids coming on right. and stuff. And yeah. that was kind of the that game changer the of the show bit. that kind of mm -hmm. took us to that next level. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how life is, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you work, 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 and then something happens. Yep. So um, Being prepared, let's, yeah. Let's talk about that side of it a little bit. Because, you know, everybody talks about the glory of, you know, of like a Blake Shelton, of a Carrie and all that. But let's talk about the struggles, the sacrifice that it does take. You know, like I was just saying, you know, there's so much involved in it. You know, when you look back on your career, what are some of the sacrifices you've had to make to go to that next level? Well, as an executive, um, it's pretty endless. Um, you're, 
you know, we're as an A&R person, an A&R stands for artists and repertoire for the people mm -hmm. that don't know. Um, and we're the people out there on the front lines discovering the talent. And our job is to, to discover the talent. If we don't have success, we don't have a job, basically. We're, we're fired. Yeah. Um, and the way I look at it is like we are the vehicle to allow the artist, um, their vision to reach the world. You know, we yeah. have to yeah. guide and nurture that vision and then be the cheerleader at the record label and to the world in order to get that message out. And hopefully we're correct and that message is valuable and then people <laughs> mm -hmm. respond to it. Um, so, you know, it's it's a lot of work. And what I do is develop. I, I'm not like a traditional A&R person that goes out and, you know, signs stuff that's blowing up on Spotify or anything like that, which is yeah. fine and good because that's kind of like, you know, um, it's already laid out for you. This is their exact audience. But what I like yeah. to find is just great talent and um, develop that because I, I find that much more rewarding. So, yeah. you know, I, I look for things that, you know, first start off with like an iconic voice or a sound, um, mm -hmm. you know, something that really speaks, um, that seems authentic, you know, and you, yeah. and you meet yeah. and then, mm -hmm. you know, of course, everybody talks about authenticity, but that's really, you know, people have to understand what that means. And it's really speaking your truth and the ability to uh, emote or get your message across to somebody like you make them feel like you're your friend and you're speaking directly to them. Um, and then, you know, you've got to be always on the look for a star power. And that's somebody who's just urgent and engaging. Uh, and, and then you have to have, um, you know, hit songs on top of that. <laughs> so, you know, then you've got to be able to discern what is a hit song and if the hook is great and you know, the production and, and all that combining into one is extremely, extremely stressful. Um, and you've got a lot riding on the line. So there's always a lot at risk. Um, but, you know, it come, if it, anything like in life comes from a place of passion, then yeah. you'll and it brings you happiness, then you'll usually be successful at it. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, um, a lot of people, they would ask, you know, when did you know you wanted to be a part of the entertainment industry? But I always like to go deeper than that. When did it click for you that this could actually be your career? Because, you know, that's usually two different dates or two different moments. Well, when I was uh, studying at UCLA, I I always liked being in front of the camera, you know, or, you know <laughs> on stage. You know, I danced mm -hmm. and went best. I didn't dance. I went best dancer in high school. So that was like, I liked the attention of, you know. Um, and then I was also a musician. So I was, you know, a drummer. And then uh, when I was in law school, I started a, a rock band with my roommate. And oh, wow. we kind of sucked badly. We good. <laughs> um, actually, since say that, we just weren't good. Um, and we played a few shows, and I got a, uh, a call from a buddy who said his brother wanted to meet me. Mm -hmm. And this guy worked at a, a label called Geffen Records, which was enormous at the time. They had Guns N' Roses, White Snow, oh, wow. uh, yeah. Aerosmith, mm -hmm. you name it. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, from the you know, Eagles, or that was a sound less show. But they had like Don Henley, just all, all my favorite artists were there. And um, so I go into this guy's office and he sits me down and yeah, I had, I was in law school at the time and uh, he sits me down and you know, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, you know, white polo shirt with a tie and everybody else is, you know, walking around with jeans and ripped t-shirts and he's like, you're going to be a huge star. You're amazing. He goes, I love your band. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm jumping out of law school immediately. And uh, 
he's like, yeah, that show you played at the whiskey was incredible. And I'm sitting there going like, wait, can you get us into the whiskey? And he's like, what were you talking about? That show was amazing. I go, no, no, we just played at you know, this place called Madame Wong's, which is now torn down. And he's like, he obviously seconds later, he realizes this is the wrong guy sitting in front of me. And I'm realizing <laughs> I am the wrong guy. And that's, you know, it's a double whammy right there because you're like, he doesn't like me. And I'm like, suddenly I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm, my career is not happening that I thought was going to happen <laughs> 30 seconds ago. And so uh, I asked him what he did and he told me he did A&R and I'm, and he told me he basically got paid to go see bands and make oh, decisions wow. on bands. Yeah. And I couldn't under, understand that that actually, you could get paid to do that. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And it, it still really doesn't seem like you, it's a, it's a real job, but it is. Yeah. And uh, so I took a class that night. He was lecturing at UCLA and that changed my life. So it was oh, wow. two times wow. in one day where I'm like, hey, hey, law is not, you know, my career. And <laughs> I realized that I didn't necessarily want to be in the band, but I wanted to be behind the scenes. Wow. Um, and then, so, uh, so I took this class. I just sat in on this class and I go and that night I was like, I'm done with law school, but I did finish and pass the bar in California. But I go, this is my, this is my career goal. And then they had to realize that it's an, an impossible job to get for the most part. And yeah. I had to find my way into the music business, not being oh, wow. in the music business whatsoever, other than and in have, a bad band. Yeah. And have you noticed too that, you know, because of social media, at least I kind of think it's because of social media, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. that, now label because you know labels used to do what you did where they develop artists but it don't seem like they do that no more they would rather you come already developed lost you guys there but um i said can you say that again something popped up on my screen okay <laughs> uh, saying that you know, I could be wrong about this, but as you know, so with social media, it seems like that now label labels used to do the A and R develop and all that, right. but now they want you come developed already. Is is that right. what you're seeing a lot of? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Basically, producers are now the A and R people. You know, mm -hmm. the production companies, so they'll develop, mm -hmm. um, and the A and R people will be really scouting. You know, all the playlists and see what's reacting on social media and social metrics are extremely important. Uh, so the first thing they ask, you know, what's your socials? Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's basically like uh, a friend of mine says, um, it's the social media person is the fifth band member. <laughs> it really is. Um, that makes such sense. an important yeah, job. And uh, if it's, it's really unfortunate. I have signed quite a few artists that didn't have any socials and I still got them deals. Oh, wow. But it's extremely difficult, especially now. That was like, you know, five, six years ago. And now okay. you're, you've are you got to be super active, you know, posting all the time, show your social metrics are up, you know, now, and there's constantly yep. different, you know, fields where you got to be active and, and different, you know, um, <coughs> you know sites and, and uh yeah, the playlist and getting added to Spotify is really important to, to the big the big playlists and, and showing that they, they react because if you don't react on those playlists once you're on there too that looks bad. And that's like I remember um, we read an article about Gabby Barrett where when she came off Idol that um, the the label told her you have to hit these metrics, then we'll sign you. Mm -hmm. And she, so she had to go out there and build that base before she got one of the biggest deals ever. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of it right now because that's also their marketing. You know, you, you it's unfortunate because I think people, record labels used to be that curator and nurturer of talent and yeah. you don't see yeah. that as much. And there are still people that do it, but mm. um, that's not the function as much anymore as it used to be. So does that uh, help that, you out? No, I think it, it, it hinders, I think it hinders everybody because you're oh. not seeing the real talent out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you've seen the ones that really can work social media better. Um, so there's a lot of artists out there who just, you know, are, are singing, but it also goes to their drive. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, if you, you have to realize that's part of your, your job now is to do social media. Um, but it does take away if you factor in, okay, how much time can we spend on this, that, and the other, like writing, producing, and getting great music as opposed to um, actually spending that time on social media it were mm. the fans and the artists and everybody else at a loss because it's all we're really seeing is the uh you know how many likes and thumbs up you got and swipes so rather than new songs maybe but it's just it's just more work yeah i love that now that we talked about the sacrifice and the struggle side i think we hit that hard which i always want to talk about that side of i never want to be a show that kind of sugarcoats what it's really like Talk about the glory side a little bit. Some moments where you're like, "Wow, you got to do that." You know, you know, you got to develop and sign people like Lincoln Park and Macy Gray. How did those happen, and so many other people? Yes. Well, those were, uh, as I said, very. Um, when you're when you're in the right place at the right time and you're aware of it, that's key in life. And uh, mm -hmm. so Macy Gray was uh, a woman brought in a demo tape to me. Um, oh, wow. she brought in a uh, a band that was already had a record deal, and they were blowing mm -hmm. up. And I was doing music publishing, and she's like, "Do you want to be like every other publisher and make a huge offer on this?" And I was like, "I, I didn't like the band." And uh, mm -hmm. I go, "Do you have anything else?" And you know, she was shocked, and she's like, "No, I just have this." You know, she pulled out uh, this tape out of her purse, and she goes, "You're not gonna like this." Uh, you know, it's, she got dropped by her publisher, her record label, mm -hmm. her manager. Or, she was the manager because she dropped her and the and her attorney and uh so i'm just like yeah you're here I stuck it in and i heard this voice that was just amazing to me wow, and wow. she goes you hate it right and i'm like yeah i kind of hate it and then i really didn't i just was like i want to let her know that i wanted to sign this woman immediately and yeah, yeah. Gray, and i heard this voice i was just astounded how uh, majestic and, and cinematic mm -hmm. it was and it made me really wonder what she looked like and oh, wow. uh, in doing so, yeah. I completely didn't realize what she looked like. She looked completely different. But the fact <laughs> is that, that that voice was really iconic. And then, uh, so I spent three months tracking her down. That was before the internet, really. Or this at the dawn of the, you know, beginning of the internet. Yeah. And uh, finally got to meet her and was taken aback at how different she looked. And then realized that <laughs> that is part mm -hmm. of her vulnerability and authenticity. She's a real woman that's into her own you know persona she is exactly who she embodies and yeah. Um, yeah you know her music was extremely authentic to me and i signed her and you know everybody who had passed on her made offers and um when we redid her music i mean we did it in a different uh, uh, she was like rock before to made her more um neo soul and uh, really expressed her voice and her message much more um and then lincoln park uh that was just being, you know, aware and present. Um, I was lecturing at UCLA, that same class that I, I learned about six years prior. And uh, in the class, you know, I played actually a Macy Gray demo tape and I said, I'm looking for an intern 
to help me, you know, just make demo tapes and, and yeah. stuff and, you know, find more, you know, artists and go through all the demos I get. And this one young guy, uh, his name was Brad. Um, you know, he was a student. He showed up the next day in my office and said he wanted to do an internship. And, you know, a series of wow. stories. If you read my book, uh, One Step Closer, I wish mm -hmm. I, had, I had it. You should hold it up. <laughs> hold it up. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is One Step Closer from, uh, from zero to number one, becoming Lincoln Park on Amazon. We got to plug that. Um, yeah. That uh, he showed up in my office literally and looked at my plaques on the wall of like corn and Limp Biscuit and, and wow. I had a Matchbox 20 plaque up. He goes, I'm going to have a band that's better than all these. And I'm like, God, this guy's really <laughs> arrogant and cocky and you know, <laughs> confident. I go, reminds me of me. You're hired. <laughs> uh, so uh, literally the next, uh, over the next three weeks, uh, he kept threatening to bring in a demo tape. And one day he shows up with a demo and he's like, you got to hear this, not telling me it was his band. And mm -hmm. I really liked it. And something told me it was his band. And uh, oh, wow. it was, it was a really, really inca uh, early incarnation of what would become Lincoln Park, different vocalist, the whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I was really just, I was impressed. I saw their first show they ever played live, mm -hmm. literally gave them a publishing deal, a very small publishing deal, development deal after the first show, which never happens in the history of, anything i think ever does any <laughs> band get a deal after playing one show um and uh developed them for about two and a half three years uh went through different band members uh had to fire the lead singer and um then ended up us being able to take them to warner brothers uh, but they were passed on 44 times um, wow. Which oh, wow. Actually, yeah so so you've got a pretty good track record of taking people from where they are and getting them actually to where they need to go. Oh, hundred percent. And uh, ironically, I just signed a young girl uh, mm -hmm. named Sky Daddy. That's uh, oh, wow. S-K-Y-D-X-D-D-Y. We'll um, look her up. Who reached out, she reached out to me, uh, I guess it was on a posting on Instagram. And mm -hmm. um, it, or it may have been, uh, actually, I take that back. It was through... Uh, we were talking about my book on an Instagram live thing with this young girl, ironically, how all this happens. Um, there's an 18 year old UCLA student wow. who I met at a party. I'm always engaging with everybody. And she's a huge TikToker and Instagram person. Huh. And we super, super bright. And we ended up talking, she's also a musician. I sat down with her and she's talking about Instagram. She goes, let's go live. <laughs> and before you know, we had like 30,000 views. Oh, wow. And it was me and this uh, this young student, and I was a music exec. We were talking about, you know, just life in general and how people, you know, are, get lost in college. They really, nothing really prepares them for anything. Yeah. And yeah. how my journey was, I, you know, I, I was, I started UCLA going to be an orthopedic surgeon and ended up going into, you know, econ econ business then communications then law school acting and you know into the music business and it became a journalist too so my right. whole i was having this discussion with her and she's like we got to go live so <laughs> kids are hitting us up going like how do i get into this business i hate college, oh, wow. this and that. so we actually just started a uh, um uh podcast youtube thing called uh, late night university where we're <laughs> going to be discussing the things that go on in a student's mind or 18 year old to 23 year old's mind. How do I get into this business? How do I do this? And we're having guests on. 
So this whole thing just hatched from that. And then during this, uh, this little 30, 30 minute um, segment we did, an artist hit me up and said, hey, please listen to my stuff. And rarely do I do that because I get it all the time. Yeah. And I get yeah. really impressed. And so I just signed her actually. Wow. wow awesome. And if you want to bring her on here, let us know. We'll, we'll... Oh, I would love to. Yeah. She's like yeah. Uh, kind of got a, a Lissa Carr mixed with Billy Eilish meets Eminem. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because oh, wow. yeah. although we started country, we're pretty much we're everything. All genres, else, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, as you know, a lot of people, they see the people in the spotlight, whether it's a Blake and all that. Um, and I always use country reference because that's mm -hmm. where we started from. Right. Um, but they see the glory behind the big people, but they don't see the teams that help them be who they are. And I think teams never get the love they deserve. Right. So I always want every guest to just talk about their team a little bit. So if you want to tell us a little bit about the team that helps you be who you are, that'd be awesome. Well, that is, it, it varies at every different, um, sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> it, it, uh, <laughs> it varies at, with every artist. So I have a team around each artist. I it usually, um, you know, I, I have an assistant help me with day-to-day -day mm. stuff, mm -hmm. but the team is really myself and the artist. I, I serve as manager, a lot of times producer, director, and the artist so that's our, our the core team is artist and me yeah. and then if when you go to a record label it's you know marketing promotion you've got a slew of people around you constantly you know chiming in with 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 help but um the team really you want to keep in my opinion you want to keep a team small because <clears throat> there's if there's too many cooks in the kitchen it's always gonna get messed <laughs> up and i unfortunately spent years working on projects where um the chemistry is perfect you get them a record deal from basically nothing you build this thing and then all of a sudden okay so and so comes in here so and so comes in there and the vision gets diluted and, wow. and pulled in different wow. directions that's the reality a lot of times and that's when bands get dropped so yeah. the original concept of how this small unit brings something into a label um can get distorted and you know we like this but we want to change this that and the other well why'd you sign the band in the first place the artist in the first place you know yeah mm -hmm. and that goes totally into country too oh we like this but we wanted to have a little bit more you know beats or electronic or can you yeah. guys try this that and the other and the original vision gets changed the chemistry in the group changes wow. and uh the authenticity uh, sometimes shifts and um, so team is very, very important. Um, but I was fortunate at Warner Brothers to have a great team. Um, you know, at first the, the label didn't want the band and right. tried to drop the band. The, the, my boss, who was the head of A&R at the time, tried to drop them and wow. uh, put me in a bad position. But when we finally made the album, the entire record label got behind it and was like instantaneous. Like the president on uh, down, it was like, you we're moving this. They moved mountains to make this happen. So wow. the radio team, uh, radio, uh, you know, marketing, everything. Uh, so teams are very, very important. But if uh, in as much as you have the right team and just the same, if you have the wrong team, then it can be very destructive. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And you're asking about the glory. Yeah, it's incredible. When something hits, nothing, there's never a better feeling. Um, <laughs> my, my, my favorite story that just sticks in uh -huh. my mind was mm -hmm. 
the Lincoln Park story was so it was impossible. I mean, like we hit every roadblock <laughs> in the world. Band couldn't get signed. Then when we got signed, the ambulance got dropped. Um, wow. I almost got fired because my boss hated the band, and mm -hmm. me and the band were infighting because of the drama from above uh, uh, the label. <laughs> we finally make the record, and then everybody loves it. And so it was just this roller coaster ride up and down. And again, you can read about it all in, in One Step Closer. Mm -hmm. um, and when I finally, you know, and then when I got out, you know, finished making the record, people were like, hey, it's, it's good. But when I heard it on the radio, I lost, I went bananas. So I was like, I was wow. in my car. It was, uh, it had to be September or something like that. It was hot out. And I just heard, uh, the single one step closer and it was just all of a sudden it just there was no announcement it was just I'm like oh wow. my god I know that that's a great riff I'm like holy crap and I just my host <laughs> I, like, I was like running around my driveway going that's my song that's our song that's the band song uh, so, wow. um, and then after after that when you're on stage literally Lincoln Park couldn't get maybe 11 12 people to see them live before uh -huh. and mm -hmm. literally within a month or less than a month um we were playing in front of you know thousands of kids, everyone wow. knowing mm -hmm. every single lyric, every song. So I'd, I'd go out on stage with the band, you know, like you know, on the side <laughs> backstage, and the tears were coming out my eyes. Like I can't believe this is connected so wow. immediately. And literally within about uh, a month and a half, they had already gone gold, and then they went platinum <laughs> that quick. Which you know, it's five hundred thousand albums for gold and a million albums for platinum. That plat, they went platinum certified platinum within about two months of that album coming out. And for a band uh -huh. that couldn't get signed or even listened to by anybody, that's huge. Yeah, I, like I love the story. I remember seeing um, Luke Combs make a tweet thanking the executives for, because you know, from the story for you, I understand it was all the executives he went to said six of his songs that he pitched him would never work. And all six mm -hmm. went number one. Right. That's the same thing. I pitched all the same songs on Lincoln Park, same with Mason Gray. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, Matchbox 20. Uh, uh -huh. Rob tried to sign them, and I, Rob was gracious enough. I have diamond plaques and, and all the plaques from wow. Matchbox 20 and Rob. Um, but I sent those around. Nobody nobody got it. And I, every one of those songs was huge. Um, Atlantic ended up signing, and it was, you know, obviously wow. great. And this guy, Kim Stevens, was a genius with it. Um, yeah, pretty much that's the way it is with, with everything. People just don't get it. And, you know, it's all the songs like, you know, uh, it's just how it is. People just don't get it. And when they hear it on the radio and all these kids reacting like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can't believe we missed that one. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I love stories like that. We like we, we, we interviewed a guy on our State of the Music podcast we do, we, we used to do. And I can't remember the guy's name, but I remember he was, I think he worked at Sony years ago, he said, but he was telling us, because I asked him, what were some misses that he did? Mm -hmm. And he says, I'll tell you my two biggest ones. And so he went on to tell us that, um, that when Kenny Chesney and Jason Aldean came to him, he said, they'll never work. They'll hmm. never make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That 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 and so, because he was kind of telling everybody, say, look, even if executives like me say no, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have to. Yeah, it's just like anything that. in life, you know. It's um, I mean, I had an executive. I I, I became uh, I ended up winning a couple awards, BMI awards, for you know, top songwriter, oh, and wow. 
one of the songs that I did, the the head of the label, I gave him the song that ended up uh-huh. going number one in Nine Country and winning a BMI award and um, on all his compilation records and everything and tons of movies and films. And he goes, this is the worst song I ever heard. He goes, drop the band. <laughs> and wow. we kept, I didn't. I just kept making the record. And that exact song I didn't change. And then about, I want to say like a month and a half later, uh, I, I go, hey, I want to play you something. And he's like, this better not be that band that you're supposed to drop. And I'm like, yeah. And I had the artist with me. And he's like, oh. So we had to listen to it. And since we finished the album, because I thought you were supposed to drop this. I'm like, yeah, well, we didn't. And uh, he played it, put it in uh, the CD player. He's like, is this a single? I'm like, no. And he goes, is this the next song the single? I go, no. And he listened to all of it. He goes, these are great. And then the same song that he thought, he said, he goes, it's a horrible, worst song he ever heard. He goes, this uh-huh. is a smash. Called up the president of the... Uh, uh of the label and it's like we're <laughs> we're moving forward we're moving mountains for this and you know that song wow. was the single that he thought was horrible and that just shows you that tenacity you know and i and i love that all this is coming out today because i want people to know that it doesn't matter whether you're in entertainment or you're in the business world you can't let the critics stop you. You know, if you've got that, like you said, that passion, that drive, and you're willing to work. I mean, you can't just have the passion if you're not putting in the work. That's not going to work either. But if and you're you have putting to have in the, the work and, and you have the talent and you have the passion, then you know what? The sky is the limit. Right. It, it is. You've got to listen sometimes, though, uh, hmm. to criticism because that also helps us. Yeah. We're so objective. Like I, I hear stuff now that didn't work and I'm uh-huh. like, wow, that, that could have been better. Um, oh, wow. Cause when we're working, so cause I'm always in the studio, I'm always writing as well. And you can, I mean, there is a thing where you, you sit back and you need some distance because you're, you're yeah. so subjective yeah. to it. But from an objective ear, you're going to hear things that you may not hear as uh, the artist or the producer. Yeah. And so, um, there, there are things to be learning. You can step back and listen to what somebody's saying and go, okay, I do understand what they're saying. Yeah. We do need to change this. But for the most part, if you believe in something, you know, you have to go for it. And, uh, you know, that I've been about, you know, 95%, you know, hit, you know, um, with stuff I believe wow. in, you know, it doesn't mean everything's going to be a success, but yeah. in terms of getting yeah. artists signed, I do. And the ones that have not done well are the ones where we've had to deal with, you know, different A&R person or somebody, a different producer going, we want to change this, that, and the other, and really changing the essence of what made that band or that artist uh, amazing. And I, I mean, that's, again, I love country music. So it goes across the board from country, hip hop, pop, yeah. hard rock, yeah. anything. It's all, and in the end, it's all just popular music. You know, it's uh, yeah. songwriting, mm-hmm. exactly. great songs. I don't care if it's, you know, yeah a country style to it or a hip hop style. It's songs, yeah. a songs, a song that, that's a hit. Yeah. Exactly. Now, how do you um, differentiate between um, a critic who's just a troll versus a critic who's trying to be constructive? I mean, how do you, because again, they both can sound, you know, when, when you got egos playing and like you said, you want to listen to constructive criticism, but how do you know that that's real constructive criticism? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, well, you can generally tell people who are just hating. Okay. Um, and 
again, I don't listen like critics, critics. I'll listen to somebody that is, uh, that I respect or that's yeah. in a position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't listen to, I mean, to be honest with you. So I was a journalist out of law school. That's how I got into the A&R side. So I became a journalist. Yeah. I would really try to give constructive criticism. I was mm -hmm. trying to be helpful. I would break down things like musicianship, um, stage presence, songs, and I would give analysis of everything. I don't think people that are critics or you, I'm ta you're talking journalists really do that and, and break mm -hmm. things down mm -hmm. into a way where an artist could benefit from going, oh, hey, this needs work. Because most people just go, oh, I wasn't feeling it. It didn't seem authentic or whatever they're going to say. Or, um, you know, wasn't up to their, their standards of whatever without giving specific guidance about what, what, what they're basing that off of. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so I, I listen to people, if somebody's going to say, oh, hey, I didn't like the song. I'm go, okay, what didn't you like about it? What did you like about it? What didn't you like uh, about it? Because the song is good. It. I know it's good. Yes. What did you like about it? And Be what specific. Like? specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they can't really do that, and I'm like, okay, then, you know, I'll let, I'm not going to really listen. But if they say, hey, I really didn't like this, some of the times they're right. You know, and you go back and uh, look and like, oh, you know, I didn't realize that because, you know, I was so focused on the entire thing. You, you have a point. And a lot of times I'll go back and I'll, I'll change. This. And, they, you know, that's something I had to do with this show is at the very beginning. If you go back and listen to the first couple of months of the show, oh, yeah. I probably talk more than the guests. He did. Because I want a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I had a few people that tried to say, look, it's great to have a conversation. Yes. But let them talk. Yeah, <laughs> so I've had to learn to listen to that and not take it wrong. I did. Yeah, I was, was going to tell you the same thing. You should see me back then. I mean, oh, I, yeah, that's, that's big difference. I was, I was teasing you. I was joking. Uh, oh, I know. Oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, back because again, I like to have a conversation on our yeah, show. I, like I want it to be a conversation. But sometimes back now, granted, there's sometimes I talk more because the guests won't talk. Yeah, <laughs> right. in there. So you, I have to but discern there, but I've learned to do that. Whereas at the mm -hmm. beginning of the show, it was really like, I mean, we had shows that went an hour and a half. I finally yeah. got it honed to 40, 50 minutes yeah. because right. I finally shut up some. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, and speaking of teams, we've got a third co-host that we always like to bring on our little nine-year-old oh, yes. to ask a oh. question. Yes. Yeah, so Sam's going to go get, get him. And, you know, we've got a 22-month-old daughter that when she gets older, we'll be plugging her into the show, too, because we are a family show. Oh, great. <laughs> Well, I should, I should go get you my book so I can show it online. <laughs> you should. should. Well, you gave that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do this. Okay. All right, we're both back at the same time. There you go. Perfect. Well, y'all both says like he came in at the same time I seen you walking. There's the book. So here's the book for all the people. We should put this up. Do you guys have a copy? No, we don't. Well, you know where you can get it. Yep. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can ebook <laughs> or just purchase it. I highly recommend purchasing it. 
Um, so yeah, this is the book, One Step Closer by Jeff Liu. Um, and as you can see, this is us. This is 20 years ago. I don't know if you can see the blonde guy, but that was me. And the slightly overweight guy right there is me. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, was, that was when you get married, you eat too much. <laughs> not married and in better shape. So. Awesome. All right. Yes. How are you doing? Hi, Jeff. So uh, what is your favorite food? Well, my favorite food is sushi. Mm. So you don't like sushi? Well, I'm not sure if he remember. I mean, he tried it years ago. Yeah, he liked it, then, but it's been a while since he's tried it, so he may yeah. not remember liking it. Yeah, I, I like uh, salmon sashimi. I like I like a lot of raw food, so I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every morning, I do uh, kale, spinach, Brussels sprouts, uh, celery, all this disgusting stuff I put in a blender, and uh, you know, acai juice. I'm, I'm really uh, my tastes are weird. And I love pizza though. <laughs> So. Uh, what's your favorite? Pizza. Oh, yeah. I got love pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you knew that. I mean, yeah. what little boy don't like pizza, right? Yeah, I still love I, I eat pizza about three times a week, so it balances <laughs> we everything out. Night. He, he would eat it every day if we could, which I guess we would, too. If, if, it, if yeah. it wasn't so unhealthy, I'd eat it every day. <laughs> you got to balance everything, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Bye, Very thanks. Cool. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to pull Lee, Leah in this and see if it, Leah. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> do you have anything to add here? I think that was great. Um, Jeff, do you, how do you feel about it? Good. I, I no, we're still live. So you know. <laughs> oh, yes, we're live. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted to pull you up live. just to see if there's anything you want to add here before yes. as we end the show. Um, no, just really, you know, I hope people come out and are able to get the book because it really inspires. I've had people from, you know, sports teams, um, from, you know, just clubs and, and just anybody who's trying to get into any type of industry, read it and get inspired. So this is, it's really important that people understand this is not just about music, but it's about overcoming adversity and really following your dreams and how to follow your dreams, not just, you know, do it and you're going to be successful. Yeah about how to stick with a plan, how to listen to constructive criticism. This is pretty much the guide to everything. You just have to apply it, you know, the principles in this book, so. I love that. Awesome. So as we come to a close here on the show, um, is there any special advice you wanna give people who are trying to chase the, the dream within entertainment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, um, you've gotta have the talent. Let's not, you know, be glossing over that. It requires talent and it requires hard work and constantly improving yourself, but it also requires perseverance and dedication yeah. to your craft and also being able to open your eyes because if you, if everybody's trying to fit into one door, like this is the way to do it, you've got your social media, social media, that's not what this book is about. This book is about spreading you know your your hands like this if you if you want this one goal you've got it you got to do this whoop, that many things wow. yeah spread it and one of those things will hit in any way shape or form the doing something out here may end up leading you to you know over here is where you want to be but any number one of things will will really uh take you on that path you want to go you just don't know which one it's gonna be because that's what life's about you know and that's really the definition of this show. A different path, 
than you would originally have thought for yourself to end up in the path that's right for you. And, you know, that's the definition of this show. Because like it I said, really we mm -hmm. started out as a country music interview yeah. show, a rising country music interview show. Mm -hmm. Eventually became a music interview show. Yeah, which now it's become an entertainment interview show. Yeah, where we bring on anything in entertainment, from actors to artists to authors and athletes. Yeah. So it's all of a sudden taking a life of its own, and we're like, we never imagined being where we are. Only one year later. Right. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, we Thank appreciate you. that, and we I know you. Your time. You can plug your book one more time as we yes, end. Yes, please do. I should have plugged it earlier, but yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it in the last twenty seconds, it's "One Step Closer" by Jeff Blue. Love awesome. that, and everybody, we will see you again.